0: Hey, Amanda hey Tom what's going on do you remember the 80s of course I remember the 80s I was born it was a wonderful time do you remember a little movie starring Matthew Broderick Alan Ruck and other people there's like too many to name there was so many people in this movie oh
1: you mean the cult classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off
0: that is it and that's what we're gonna talk about today on can we talk about what is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas uh-huh Last thing I need at this point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller
1: disciples running around these halls. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body.
0: Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed.
1: Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong. Oh, he's very popular here. The sportos, motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, waste toys, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Can we talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off?
0: We can talk about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Still as an adult, too.
1: I was going to say as an adult, too. But there are two different, very different movies in that the movie I watch as a kid and the movie as an adult. Oh, I view them so differently because as a kid. Yeah. I wanted to be Ferris. I was like, this is what I need. This is what I need in life. I need freedom. I need to get his joie de vivre. I need to skip school, (laughs) which I never did, by the way. Yeah. And then as an adult, you kind of, you're like, was Cameron's dad really an asshole? Or was just Cameron like a seriously emo (laughs) kid who was depressed all the time? And, you know, there's two very different views on it.
0: It's, you know, it's interesting you say that too. I mean, the... Cameron's storyline hit me harder watching it as an adult or like it was more apparent as an adult than as a kid. I was like, this is just getting in the way of him having fun, cutting school and running around the city and doing funny things. Uh, But as an adult, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize how messed up Cameron was. As a kid and or like what he is seriously
1: depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Like clinically depressed, like entering dissociative states. My favorite scene in the whole movie, and I'm sure we can get more into this as we go. But my favorite scene in the whole movie is the museum scene. Oh, yeah. And I always loved it because I was an art nerd and I just loved everything about it. And I loved like I looked into it right the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, that's the Chicago Art Institute. I need to go. I have to go there. And then now I watch it as an adult. I'm like. That poor boy is staring into that George Surratt painting of a a mother and a child holding hands. And the closer it gets, the more he feels he's having like an existential crisis. Yeah. And it just keeps getting zoomed in closer, closer to the face. And finally, the child has no face. Yeah. And he's just like terrified. And as an adult, I'm like, oh, my God, I used to love this scene. (laughs) This is so sad.
0: It's it's weird to me that um, John Hughes somehow injected like there's this fun movie about a kid who is like skipping school and, and just out for fun and, and, you know, and, and somehow injects this super deep, just psychological story about a Like this kid who's, who's yeah. Dealing with like an existential crisis. And, yeah. and more importantly too, the thing that struck me, cause this was like, I was like, I got so deep into the Cameron storyline as an adult, like focusing on it and understanding it a little bit better that as I'm watching it too. I'm like, wait a second. Like, as he's staring at that painting like right, it's the right it's the mother holding the child's hand and i'm like he doesn't like he, yeah. he briefly mentions his mother his he has a real like you know odd and 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 like just destructive relationship with his father that he talks about all the time that's very at the surface but you don't really hear a lot mention his mother i think he mentioned his mother once like his his you know his father kind of yeah. like yelling at his mother or something like so there's like an emotional abuse over there too or something but it doesn't it, he doesn't seem to have a relationship with his mother either, which is actually kind of the the odd part, right?
1: It is. And I read a uh, I think it was a vice article about it, about this whole scene in yeah. saying how it's almost like he's looking at the mother and the child. And it's like, why doesn't she protect me? Yeah. Why doesn't she stop him? Like, yeah. why? And like, really, it's so deep and so gut wrenching and heartbreaking in the scene where he like freaks out and they finally go back to the pool and they're in the hot tub and then all of a sudden he just dives into the pool and you think he's trying to kill himself and it's like in that moment it's like maybe he is but also maybe he just wants to see if anyone will save him yeah and then he just like manically laughs when ferris pulls him out of the water and ferris is so mad and it's just i feel like that's where he truly breaks like that moment where he comes out of the water.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny too. Like we're we're just a couple of minutes into talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and we're talking about the deep. We silo- <laughs> talked
1: about the funny stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's all about the, that movie. Is all about the deep psychological torture of a, of a of a teenager in Chicago. Poor Cameron. Even in the beginning of the movie, when you meet Cameron, there's that juxtaposition of like cutting from you know Ferris's room, which you know is decorated a teen boy like a teen boy, right? He's got like you know yeah. posters and all this, and you cut to his monochromatic modern room that's you know just him under the covers and medicine all over the place it's like strewn about and yeah he's yeah.
1: he's and on top of that too he's in it man <laughs> well that's the
0: thing too is like i mean and i never understood this as a kid but i'm like well why is cameron home already <laughs> like ferris is cutting school but cameron's already home and it's because he just doesn't go to school because he's quote unquote in his head sick you know he's he's just suffering from something and yeah, it's depression. It's like, oh, cool. That was that's what 80s depression was. It's just we didn't we didn't even the, the word can't depression never it. comes up.
1: <laughs> yeah, cannot talk about it. No, can't even acknowledge it. Did you know that um, fun fact that John Hughes wrote this movie in six days? Yes, I, I, that is, I found that, that out after blows my mind. It, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's weird to me that there are these filmmakers who kind of come up with these like it was the same thing with the way um, he came about with. uh Home Alone, which just came off of, you know, them doing Uncle Buck and then him having Macaulay Culkin there. And, and you know, the scene where he's like poking through the mailbox slot, talking to someone. And he just was like, what if this kid was home alone? Like just went off on this entire tangent in his head about like exp- expanding the universe of this child home alone, protecting his house and being a kid. And and that turns into home alone. But John Hughes was a maniac when it, and the thing was, too, I, I think what's crazy is. And I always find this weird too cuz I'm like even as an adult now I have to remind myself I'm a, I'm an adult but I'm like I couldn't write a kids movie today. I couldn't write a movie about teenagers in, you know, this decade at least. And I'm like this guy I was could doing try,
1: it, but it'd yeah. be off. I'd be off. <laughs> right.
0: I mean, he's writing about, you know, I mean, how many John Hughes movies were there uh that dealt with like, you know, the the teenagers growing up, right? I mean, that that was his filmography, right? It was um, and he nailed it. Yeah, sixteen candles, Breakfast it. Club, um, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, and then he grows up a little bit. And then, then, then it goes into Planes, Trains, and Automobile. Uh, she's having a baby. Uncle Buck. Uh, Curly Sue is later. Um, was that the last movie he directed? I didn't realize. That. Okay, yeah. So that was the that was the last movie he directed was Curly Sue um
1: that's a classic yeah
0: but the thing is like I love yeah, he's i mean john hughes had like you know had this weird pulse on um on kids of that decade and i'm like i still don't understand why i mean at, at the time how old was he when he was doing these 80s movies let's say he was born in 50 <laughs> so he was yeah he was in his what 30s
1: in his 30s yeah and when you watch videos like the um the behind the scenes of him on set. Yeah. It is like, he looks like a baby. Like, how are you creating these world changing movies? And even now I can watch pretty in pink or 16 candles. And I remember the moment my mom was like, this is the moment where I show you John Hughes movies. This is the moment in your adolescence where these start to make sense to you. Yeah. And even though it was, you know, 20 years later, it still was applicable. All those feelings, even watching Ferris Bueller's day off that, You know, scene where he's talking about I think it's, again, when Cameron starts to lose it And he's like, pretty soon we're going to go off to college And we're going to say we're going to stay best friends But we're going to go to different colleges And we're going to be, you know We're going to probably never talk to each other again And I felt that in my bones Because that was the fear I had leaving high school It's like, you have those moments That you don't stop and appreciate to say, like, wow this could be it. This could be our last hurrah before we all go off and graduate. Yeah, I mean, and he captured it perfectly. It, it's funny, <laughs> As a thirty year old man. You,
0: you look at Ferris Bueller, and Ferris Bueller, the character is, he's wise for his years, and 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 to the point, like he comes out with those, like he he mentions something about, um, which I, I'll get to in a little bit about like you know Cameron marrying someone later in the life, and right, it's it is oh, it is. <laughs> I mean, he's right, and I feel I've, I definitely know people like that. He's definitely right. He, but the thing is, like, you look at the way he commentates on things, the way he views things. It's like, yeah, no, this is this Ferris Bueller really is. It's it's that when you're an, when you're an adult and you're like, oh man, if I knew what I knew now, if I can go back to high school and knew what I knew now, I would everything would be completely different, right? That is Ferris Bueller. That is John Hughes's brain going into a teenage character and acting out because all the other characters, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, right? They're all kids being kids. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is an adult in a kid's body. He's conning his way through life, but he's doing it in a way where it's like, you know, as a kid, you're like, that's really cool. As an adult, you're just like. Yeah, I can see myself doing that. I can see that if I had to deal with that, like, but that's like escapism. That's, you know, but uh, and then and then to ground it all is Cameron, which I guess that's a good point is Ferris Bueller's Day Off without Cameron is a very different movie.
1: It is. And there's um, it's almost like, that, well, that's just Ferris Bueller's life. Like Cameron yeah. is almost grounding. And I also feel like there's a fear for Ferris that. He knows Cameron's going to go on to do something incredible. Like, he's very intelligent. He's probably going to go on to have, like, an amazing life and an amazing career. And you never know. These movies, when you revisit them, we'll talk about the spinoff that's, you know, later on. But when you revisit them, like, I remember watching this movie as an adult the first time. I'm like, oh, Ferris is going into sales. (laughs) He's going into insurance sales, life insurance sales. That's where he's going to end up. Something very shystery or real estate where he can make a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Well, I think is it because I mean, and, and that's a good that's a good look, cause especially when you look back at high school and the people who kind of thought they had it all figured out versus the people that were figuring it out. The people that thought they all figured it out ended up not knowing it, not knowing shit. And then they grow up and then they're yeah, they're, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to go into sales because, you know, and, and then the guys like Cameron who were like literally having you know crises at 17 grow up and figure out the world and and figure out how to. To make themselves fit in and they, you know, go on to do great things. I mean, Cameron clearly ended up in L.A. where he was was on that terrorist bust incident, you know, (laughs) like 10 years later. But um, but yeah. And the thing is, but there's like stuff that comes out throughout the movie with. And I was thinking about that. Right. Like, you know, the the angle ferris comes from is that he's there to break cameron out of his shell and as a kid i was like i definitely had those right i was definitely cameron in situations and had friends who were a lot more outgoing and broke me out of my ferris.
1: shell yeah <laughs> i was 100 the ferris
0: but, I, my best uh, friend
1: says that all the time you you like i did not she didn't speak until we were in like seventh grade yeah and she was like i didn't have to amanda did all the speaking for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's the thing it's it's a balance, right? It's not it's not that Cameron needs Ferris; it's that they need each other, and you see that. And there's like yeah. a scene early on when like you know when he slaps the phone out of his hand when he's talking to uh, Rooney, which is a whole other thing, um, the best. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean it, it's it's where they're like you know they get mad at each other for the first time and like you know and but there there's this bounce and forth of like back and forth of like oh no these guys are best friends and they're close but. It's they need each other. It's not just a one way street, and and it's and it's interesting because that's the thing. You could say what Cameron, you know, how Cameron acts or or anything, but like he lets and he says it later on in the movie too. Like he, you know, he lets Ferris pull him into things. He wants to. He's afraid. Yeah. But he lets Ferris do it. Um. But yeah, it's interesting. It, it's it's a it's a cool movie, and that and that we're not even scratching the surface on like what the movie is really no. just trying to tell. Like just on the surface as like or how you view it as a kid, maybe, which is
1: yeah, I mean, it's I think the for me the movie was just like this is all about freedom and getting yeah. that one day to be free and not have to answer to adults, you know, yeah. or anyone older than you, and just getting a day where you can just. Be as free and happy and authentically yourself without judgment of others as you want to be. Yeah. And I, when I watched like a behind the scenes uh, YouTube video of this, there, John Hughes is talking about how. Rooney, they made his desk and his chair really low to the ground so that when the secretary came in, she's like towering over him <laughs> because he's just the type of man who's like never had power in his entire yeah. life. And now that he has an inkling of power, he's going to abuse it to the, you know, 10th degree. And I just thought that was so funny because when you rewatch that scene yeah. where, um, you know, Cameron and Ferris are trying to call Sloane out of school It is so hilarious. And that whole scene where the secretary and Rooney are like scrambling was completely unscripted. Really? And they're like, you just. Yeah, we just need like massive panic from you for like two (laughs) minutes. And she's like, we just did this thing where if he was in one room, I would be in the other. And we just completely panicked. And when the secretary picks up the phone and pretends to be Rooney and she's like, "Ah, just trying to like (laughs) pretend to be a mumbling male adult. Yeah. She said she completely scripted that, and everybody, or was completely unscripted, and everybody lost it. Like they could not stop laughing. Yeah, what, what's her name? It's again? such a good scene. What's
0: uh, the actress's name?
1: Do you remember? Oh no, but I can tell you in a second. I'm gonna bump Uh, you. Edie
0: McClurg. Is she, I mean, she was she was like a staple of a bunch of like 80s movies and things, and she yeah, she's, she's so funny. Um, th- she's so funny. It's there's also the, I mean there's a lot of there's a a lot of like random. Uh, one thing I didn't know. Which was really interesting is um, out of Chicago, um, there's there's a really famous um, th- literally like the, the 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 grandfather of improv is Del Close is in the movie, too, which I didn't realize. And for those that don't know, he's the that. he's the man who, like, you know, essentially started like Second City in Chicago, which is like where. Most of people people from SNL came from for like you know uh, majority of of that history and um he's that teacher who's just like speaking really slowly I think the one the class when they come and get Sloan for the, oh, the nurse really he's in what way like that <laughs> that guy is Del Close he's like a, he's literally that's
1: incredible
0: but I mean it's that connection to Chicago that that's there but I was also reading. Um, and speaking of casting, like some of the other people that were supposed to, uh, that were like first, just to back up a second. And it's really funny. I was watching it with my wife and and she said, uh, she was like, who is that guy? Or like, whatever. I was like, that's, that's Matthew Broderick. And she's like, oh, I almost forget. Like he's so young, but also for years he didn't seem to age. And there were a handful of actors that obviously like, you know, John Hughes was like working with throughout some of the movies. And a few that were um, that were auditioned for the role, and um, some of them were like Anthony Michael Hall was considered for the role at some point. John Cusack, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, Michael J. Fox. Um, and you you think about the year too. Like this is 1986, right? So it's what two years after Back to the Future. So I don't know if I could have seen Michael J. Fox doing pulling this off after doing uh, Back to the Future, um, but. I don't know if I could ever saw anyone else in that role. And I was also reading about like Judd Nelson was originally offered the role of uh, Cameron and he completely turned it down.
1: Could you imagine turning down roles like this then being like,
0: oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, I got that backwards, by the way, Judd Nelson didn't turn it down. Uh, Alan Ruck auditioned for the role Judd Nelson was in, in the Breakfast Club. He was turned down for that, but they came back to him. Emilio oh. Estevez was offered the role of Cameron which okay i don't know if i could have saw that like even if i do you think back at like the type of character he is and like just like that because i think what i think sells cameron i don't know why we're focusing on cameron so much but but clearly it makes some kind of connection as an an adult but um but to me i was like cameron or alan ruck's performance is all in his face it's all in his facial expressions and everything oh
1: 100 deadpan Uh, completely yeah
0: I mean his his face looks depressed. I mean that's I mean that's not a knock on Alan Rock, but I mean him staring to the painting and that just that dead eyed look. Um, he he looks like a seventeen year old dealing with depression. Um, I don't know if Emilio Estevez could have looked like a seventeen year old dealing with uh depression.
1: Definitely, but, I don't think he could have nailed just acting straight faced with yeah. your eyes like. Yeah. Alan Ruck, the way that he acts with his eyes, this whole movie is the best.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what you you mentioned, you mentioned um, improv and I can't tell if like some stuff was just cut out or like there's, there's like a uh, random cutaway scenes where like Alan Ruck is sitting in the restaurant, just like making people around him uncomfortable, like sneezing and like coughing really loudly and looking at like the, uh, and, and I think that's the other thing too. like, it like kind of winks. It kind of shows you like, yeah, no, he's. He's always nervous, but he kind of likes pushing the boundaries a little bit. Like that's mm-hmm. that's who this kid is. Um, but how I, I, mean, I was that was do you know of anything else that was improvised in the movie or was that
1: so the behind the scenes um, little clip I watched, it said how like John Hughes would have them act what was on paper. Yeah. And then would say, oh, all right, what would you you know, you guys kind of do what you want with the next the next take. Yeah. And then um, what they would do is he didn't know what he was going to use until it hit editing. Right. Like a lot of the, they didn't even know, you know, the Matthew Broderick talks about how there was different versions of the movie Hmm. in his head about how it was going to go because the way that they acted certain scenes. And he said so much happened on the editing room floor, like the scene where he's pretending to be Sloane's dad. Yeah. And Rooney is on the steps Mm -hmm. and she like walks down. She's like, Oh, I got to go to my dad. And she walks down and he just like full on makes out with her. Yeah. And Rooney just watches and he's like, oh, I guess that's how they do that in their family. Yeah. Like, <laughs> first of all, such straight 80s creep level beyond belief. Yeah. But um apparently Matthew Broderick says that Kiss lasted like a second <laughs> and they just edited the whole situation to look like it was a long makeout session and that most of the movie was like truly put together in the editing room, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, it is. Um, it just goes to show how good John Hughes is at everything that he does yeah
0: i mean it's really funny like there is a his his love for chicago um and and you know his focus on that through like i I think it's it's funny the two movies that pop out to me is like ferris bueller's day off and trains planes and automobiles which i mean it kind of ends in chicago right but um but like yeah, like e- even like the whole the whole uh, parade scene, which is just the parade kind of-
1: scene is incredible. A von Steuben parade <laughs> on a Friday when kids would be at school. Let's just have the General von Steuben parade. Yeah, why not? And
0: then like people like you know like dancing in the street and chore- like choreographed dancing <laughs> on the steps and sidewalks. The first and- flash mob. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't know it's 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 chaotic in a, in that fun way, but I it's. It's funny because it's like a road trip movie, but it's not a road trip. Like it's a road trip into the city. But that whole concept of like into the city, quote unquote, like I grew up in Staten Island, which I'm embarrassed to say half the time. But we would go as a kid. It was the suburbs of New York and we were technically part of New York City, but it, that didn't feel like it. But you, you know, cut school and go into the city. And that's what you did. Right. You went into the city for the day. So even for sure growing up, I didn't
1: cut school, though. Ever? But I went into the city. No. Yeah. I was such a nerd. Well, I played sports, so you couldn't oh, miss school. Yeah. If you missed a day, you couldn't play. So
0: see, I cut school, but uh it was it was it was never a Ferris Bueller level of fun. We were broke and couldn't do anything. We would just go into the city on free public transportation and um and just wander around the city and that was it. That was that was the extent. Could you
1: imagine letting your child do that now? No, absolutely not. I mean, yeah, yeah my parents didn't know I
0: was doing that either.
1: <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, I think about that stuff. I mean, we had one—we had senior skip day, which I asked permission to skip school. Yeah, <laughs> you're and doing it wrong. I let—we all let our teachers know, hey, this is senior skip day. Yeah. they're like, okay, great. And so they all knew. Yeah. But um, they—I can't even think about even that day. Yeah. I mean, we were reckless. Yeah. It was not—it was not like I did not party. I Just yeah. did it on days I didn't have to go to school. But we were out of control. Yeah. And I think about that now, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah. how did? no one die <laughs> we were drinking beer kegs in fields until you know at one in the afternoon yeah. and going cliff jumping hammered and we're like yeah this is the this is the best and yeah. now i look back at it just like this movie and i'm like oh my god yeah we could have died
0: um i'm gonna get dark and i'm gonna take a, i'm gonna take a real quick left turn and and uh get really dark on something because i was going over the the cast of the movie and trying to figure out like, Oh where? Like, you know, cause like his girlfriend in the movie, like didn't really seem to do anything after right. Mia, Sarah Sloan. Yeah. Right? Mia, Yeah. Sort of fell off. And then the other actress in the movie who we do know of, right. Was his Our sister, Jennifer
1: Gray, Jennifer yeah. Gray.
0: But do you know the story? Do you know what happened to Jennifer Gray?
1: Um, it's, it's I don't really think dark so. and,
0: it's, and it's, it's really interesting and it, and it has a connection to the movie too, which is even funnier. So, um, So Ferris Bueller's Day Out came out in 19- 1986. During the filming, her and Matthew Broderick began dating in secret. No one knew about it. They were secretly dating, you know, 80- 1987. They didn't have TMZ. Well, they were in Ireland, Northern Ireland, to be specific. I know you love Ireland, so I, I gotta do. be specific. It's Northern Ireland.
1: I love Northern Ireland as well, but I feel like you're about to ruin it for me. So go ahead. No, no, no it's something about
0: Ireland itself. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Um,
1: her and Matthew
0: Broderick were driving in a car, in a rented car. Matthew Broderick was driving. And then he, because he's American, drove into the wrong lane and collided head oh on God. with another um, <gasps> car. The It was a mother and daughter who were killed in the car. Um, this is so dark and it is and and Jennifer Gray suffered severe whiplash like she was like really injured from the crash um, after that a couple months later her movie Dirty Dancing comes out and suddenly she's like because first Bueller came out before Dirty Dancing so for just first Bueller the next movie to come out is Dirty Dancing Dirty Dancing comes out. She's catapulted to fame, but she has no interest in it because she's suffering from not only pain, but survivor's guilt over the crash. And uh, so she completely withdrew from acting after that. And and her life. That's so dark. Yeah,
1: that's so dark. Yeah. And Matthew Broderick went on to snag Sarah, Sarah Jessica. Yes. And he was he was fined one hundred and
0: seventy five American dollars for careless driving. And he killed a sixty three and 28 year old woman that is so i I'm, I'm not tired. laughing at that. I'm laughing at like the no this is where the, the 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 chips fell was that you know he like literally killed two people uh essentially ruined another actress's career and then you know he went to go star in that you know uh war games now like war games was before that, but I'm kidding but um but yeah his, he kept going he just kept coming yeah. his his fame kept going yeah i mean he had he had a bunch of movies after that right he had um Oh yeah, Project X was was eighty seven also, but I, I will assume that was filmed. Then he he did Glory a, a year later with the 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 Civil War movie. Then the Freshman, um, he did. He was the voice of Simba and Lion King. Like he just yeah, he just went on. But I'm not, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. <laughs> I'm not saying he, he doesn't deserve it because he did all that happen. I mean it's an accident, right? But um, yeah, but still,
1: what a dark dark undertow to the yeah i mean let's this just goes right back to ferris bueller seems real happy in the beginning you watch that as a 14 year old like i did i'm like yes this is everything i aspire to be and then you watch it again as a 35 year old like wow someone hug these poor children (laughs) but they were also latchkey kids and that's something else you talk about like in the 80s and you know into the early 90s like your parents left you home when you were six or seven years old. And they're like, just lock the door yeah. and there's frozen pizza in the fridge. And it's just insane to think about. Now they were yeah. all latchkey kids. So, you know, doing stuff like this wasn't so far fetched as it is no. now. Like if this movie came out now, everyone would be like, that's not, there's no world yeah. where that would happen. People would see them on the street and be like, where are your parents? Yeah. Well, also, I <laughs> it mean, it would not happen. He's homesick,
0: and And I think someone sent him a strippergram. Like, is that, is that the, <laughs> is that the insinuation? Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: This is pretty good. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, you know, he shows up, uh, standing next to, uh, Louis Anderson or like, you know, the Louis, Anderson, oh, with Louis a, Anderson with a thing of flowers. What I found funnier about that scene too is that Louis Anderson is the flower delivery guy. He delivers flowers on his own, but then comes back with the stripper <laughs> or <laughs> just prostitute just or whatever that is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Anyway, but the other thing I want to go back to Jennifer Grey for a second. What did you think of her character? Because her character well, is a weird art. Because arc.
1: her character is so I'm the older sister. Yeah. Right. So and I always felt like my sister below me. Yeah. She was the one that was always sneaking out like this is that was definitely more of her vibe. So right. parts of me were like, I get it. Like yeah. this kid's always getting you into trouble. Right. I totally get it. But at the same time, she's so hateable. Yeah. like you just really, truly want to punch her in the face. Yeah, like just get just live a little. Yeah, what stick is shoved so far up inside you that you cannot smile. Well, and then towards the end of the movie, it's like, again, yeah. I watch it now and I'm like, oh my God, this poor girl. Yeah. Well, here's the
0: thing that I didn't understand. So, Ferris, she's the older sister, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Well, that's how I thought it to be. No, I agree.
0: She yeah. has a car. He has a computer, right? That—that that was yeah. the whole insinuation, right? Um, but isn't he also a senior in high school?
1: So why is she in high school? So why is she I in know high school? This is—I know there is so many things when you rewatch it. They're not like, twins. Why? Why is she there? <laughs> is there an answer to this on the interwebs? I need to
0: know. I don't know, but what's funny to me is like I—I I appreciate the story. Of Jeannie. I do. Right. And, and I think. But the thing is, like, whereas, like, you know, characters, characters are supposed to grow. Right. They're supposed to, you know, be who they are, hit a situation that affects them to change them and they become they come out the other side. I don't know what changes Jeannie just making out with Charlie Sheen in a police station, like as he's like the old wise one. Old yeah, the old but that, like, drug addict.
1: That's you know, and made her the the bad girl now. You know, like she's she was so uptight and she just like yeah. let loose one time to make out with the bad boy in the police station station. Again, yeah wild thing to think about a high school child doing. Right. She's gonna make out with this, you know, dude in a police station. But here's the thing that doesn't make any sense, right? Okay, so
0: she's all up into like why does he get to have fun, right? That's like one of the one of the mm-hmm. lines she says. Makes out with Charlie Sheen. Then suddenly she's all giddy and happy and um, and then leaves the police station. Right. So now she's all, she's all like floating on cloud nine. But then she's driving home and she sees him and then starts racing home to beat him to the house. But here's what I'm confused. by. this is like legitimate confusion, because once she gets home and then he she opens the door and he, she's standing there, then she's on his side. Was she racing home for him? Because it seemed like she was racing home to beat him home, right?
1: I thought she was racing home to, yeah, to beat him and to like narc on him. Like I'm going to get there and I'm going to prove that you were home all day. Right, but she already had the character change a scene before. So yeah, I at don't the police know. Station. I don't
0: know. <laughs> this is a big. This is a big hole. This is a hole. I feel like we're there's have something to get John missing. Who's on here? Like, was it just that she got home to narc on him? Well, because she has that. There's that facial expression I don't know. when she gets home. And then she discovers the the teacher's wallet. Is that it is like discovering that, like the teachers out to get him, that she's just like, all right, well, screw Mr. Rooney. And now now I'll change sides all of a sudden. Wait,
1: wait. I found the answer. Okay, Ferris Bueller is older than her. It says in Ferris Bueller's day off, Jeannie is determined to spoil her older brother Ferris's plan to faint illness and skip school. He planned to make her a middle, John Hughes planned to make her a middle child by introducing two younger siblings. He ultimately decided to cap the number of the Bueller children at two. Okay. Okay. So I misread that every 5,000 times. Yeah, I totally, uh, I did not read that situation correctly. I absolutely, maybe that's part of the thing. She's younger and she acts like she's so much older than him. Maybe. Maybe that's part of the shtick, but. I thought for sure she was the older sister. Well, yeah, I mean, I think
0: I feel like the movie, the movie needs like a line somewhere to to specify because that's the whole thing. Right. Because she got a car and he got a computer. And you would think if he's the older kid and he's like, you know, in high school, senior, that he would have been getting a car. Why would his younger sister? Get. I don't know why I'm focusing on the car. I think the car was the thing that like pushed you into like, okay, so she's the older sister. She's, you know, first boy, but I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I always assumed that she was the older sister and then couldn't understand the entire.
1: That's what I thought.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: My mind is blown now. Okay. (laughs) Well, that makes more sense, I guess. Um, Another fun fact that I wanted to bring up when they were, we were talking about Cameron is John Hughes based that off of one of his childhood friends. Really? Who, like, always seemed lost all the time and uh, was super neglected by his parents. And when his friend was sick, he would be happy because he was so tired from, of having to invent fake diseases to get his parents to notice him. So he based Cameron <laughs> off of this kid that he grew up with. And it was just like, I know this poor Cameron. It just gets worse and worse for this kid. Yeah. I mean, we have to talk about the the scene where the car goes out the window. Yeah. So that is like... Well, all right, we'll talk about
0: the car. What's interesting is, and we had already decided we were going to do an episode on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. After deciding we were going to do an episode on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like someone somewhere heard us. <laughs> um, they are now. <laughs> the universe was listening. The universe heard. Apparently, they're big listeners of the of the of this podcast. Um, I love it. They're now producing, which, by the way, I want to preface this by saying, I don't know. If any other John Hughes properties have been touched since he passed in this way, like they're obviously not doing it. They're not. No, you no, know, no one's doing a. Uh, I hope I hope not. <laughs> no one's doing like a um a 16 Candles reboot or anything like that, Um, which. Oh, they fingers better not. Crossed or
1: whatever, but they cannot.
0: I mean, there are there are some movies where it's just like, leave it alone. Just don't try to redo it. But they'll, you know, Hollywood. But they are doing a spinoff. Of Ferris Bueller's Day Off based on the the two uh, parking garage attendants that take the car for a joyride. And the intent is for the movie because this is a spin-off movie. This The movie will follow them on their adventures with the car. So from when and- they drop it off and then the movie follows them running around, flying around town, I guess. I'm guessing we're going to get that shot of them. Flying in the car, like you know, with the Star Wars theme and everything too. But uh yeah, so that's that's in production now or coming or or has been being produced. I
1: want to say I'm excited for it, but I'm so jaded when it comes to touching these movies that like I hold near and dear as classics. Yeah. And I mean I it's an Awesome idea for the movie because they're not really touching the main characters and not yeah. touching the main storyline. I like that it's a spin-off and not a prequel or a sequel. Right. Um, but what's hilarious about the car is that type of car, it's a 1961 Ferrari 250 GT. It is was so expensive for them to even get insurance to have it on the lot. Yeah. If it didn't move, if nobody touched yeah. it and didn't move, <laughs> just to have it on the lot, they couldn't enforce the insurance. And at the time, the car cost $300,000. They say now it would cost well over a million. So what they did, they they took old Mustangs as like the body underneath, the frame underneath. And they built like fiberglass kit cars on top to look like the Ferrari. So they had three versions of the car. And the scene where the car goes out the window was actually uh, like massive pulley systems. And it was a rope that was attached to pulley systems that was attached to a pickup truck that was two blocks away. Jesus. Is that not insane? And so when it came time to have it, you know, fly out the window, which is like the most incredible scene. Yeah. When it flies out the window and you, you see Karen, Cameron panic, but also there's like such satisfaction for him there yeah. that the thing his father loves more than him is dead. Um it's literally a pickup truck two blocks away attached to a pulley system with a rope that just drives forward and pulls the car into the woods. Jesus.
0: That's hilarious. That's
1: intense. It says it took them six days to shoot just that scene. <laughs> I that's mean, it's insane. worth it. I mean, it's they sell totally it. Totally worth it. They absolutely sell totally it.
0: Totally worth it. It seems like it all happens. Like, there's no there's no um, yeah, it, it's a great scene. And the thing is I, well, what's funny about that too, right? The whole concept is Ferris is like oh we'll just put the car in reverse and it'll ride the you know speedometer backwards and I think what's funny about that too is the fact that like you know Ferris Bueller has all the answers he's really smart and he's like cunning and you know he's he's, he's a little bit of a con man but like that's not how cars work and it shows a little bit of like oh he didn't know like he was like scamming the world and getting away with stuff until until now until this until here where it all fell apart a little bit um because that's a great point yeah but it also shows his character a little bit too where he's just like well what do we do now you can like all right well we, we'll just crack o- crack open the the <laughs> yeah. thing and we'll roll it backwards by hand like he like you know he's he doesn't give up he like that's his that's not his nature his nature isn't to like you know surrender which he's mentioned somewhere else it's to like all right we'll just find another way we we'll just keep going and going and going until we get caught like that's that's how he operates but um,
1: it's so good, though. It's such a I mean, that scene is just so I can't imagine something like that happening to me. It's like, you know, in your home and you're messing around with your you know your siblings and your parents aren't home and somebody puts their foot through a wall yeah or like you know like yeah (laughs) breaks a window and you're in the yard playing baseball or something and it's just that sheer panic of like you really think at that moment i'm going to die yeah like this is my last day on earth my parents (laughs) are going to literally bury me in the ground which they would never do yeah but that panic and fear is truly like gut debilitating you cannot move breathe or think about anything else and you just see cameron's face slowly goes from that and then you could kind of see him like just inside you can tell he's so pumped. That yeah. That car is gone and he doesn't even care if he dies. He's good with it. Well, that was the
0: thing, too, because it goes through it goes through motions, right? It goes through he's first he's nervous because it's not rolling back. And then he kind of is like, whatever. No, like I'll I'll deal with it. And then then he starts kicking the car. Right. It goes from like, yeah. he's going to notice that the speedometer is off. Then it goes into like, I'm just going to start kicking the car taking his frustrations out. Then he looks at that and it's like, all right. Yeah. Like he, he's like growing his, his <laughs> yeah. like, um, like he, he's growing a little bit every time he gets a little bit further and further until literally he kicks the car out the window and it crashes and, and blows up. Well, it doesn't blow up, but that's the other thing too. It, it's a like realistic. Like it didn't like explode or anything. You just like, it's, it's demolished. It's, it's totaled, but it's, you know, um, but it's funny like as his character, like because every beat he's a little bit more nervous and then unleashes and it, he's like whatever i can deal with this this is the level of you know me battling my dad i can deal with like this yep the speedometers you know uh changed and sudden, nope now i dented your car and now i destroyed your car and that's the <laughs> ultimate and then he's like oh, i'll deal with it but even even ferris at a point being like i'll take the heat you know that's where it's just like oh no like Cameron's got this, and all of a sudden you see Cameron have the same level of of um confidence that Ferris has the entire movie where he's just like, no yeah it's I got the moment
1: this. it comes together for him, yeah. yeah, I love that it's I love that scene so yeah. much
0: well because he he stops being afraid he stops being afraid of his dad that's what it is his dad's not even around, but just the fear of unknown fear of having to deal with this. He's played it over so much in his head that he's just like, no, nah, I got this. Like, I'm I'm gonna
1: deal with it. Like,
0: what's the worst that's gonna happen? Like, we're just gonna have to deal with it. Um,
1: and he does. You know, I mean, like that to me is the beauty of John Hughes movies, though, because this is supposed to be a hilarious, funny. Yeah, I mean, just the character of Ed Rooney is <laughs> incredible. He's just such a wild. You know, I'm sure in the 80s there were plenty of of principles like that. I mean, John Hughes kind of carries that type of principle through to the other movies, yeah. too. Like, it's the same in The Breakfast Club. It's the same type of guy. Yeah. But there is so many layers to this movie. And again, I feel yeah. like I see something or appreciate something different every single time I watch it. Well,
0: that's the thing, too. You, you compare it to um, the the dean from The Breakfast the Breakfast Club, right, where he's just walking around with like a, a, a he, authority. Right. He is the authority. Edward Rooney, what I love about it is that he doesn't have the confidence of being an authority, right? Like he wants yeah. to, and he has a little bit, but it's to your point, right? Like, like the stuff, like where his, his secretary is like towering over him, right? Like the, all that. And then you get to the point where she's like, Oh, Ed, you sounded like dirty Harry right there. And you can kind of like, he makes little facial expressions like, yeah, yeah, I can well, you yeah, right, dirty You're Harry. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, then it cuts to him deciding to go out and, you know, catch him And he's walking around like flipping his 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 shades up right goes to and even like there's one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. And it's so silly, but it just shows like an ineptitude is when he's at the pizza place and and he's he's talking. He's wiping his you know, after he thinks he caught Ferris and it was a girl and she blows Coca-Cola on him. Uh, He walks over to the counter and the the game like the the baseball game is on and he asks the guy like what's you know uh what's the score and he goes nothing nothing he goes well who's winning and like he he's not even paying attention like that's like <laughs> the just, best yeah he's just so like, you know, I'm making conversation then the guy just like thinks about it for a second he goes, The Bears <laughs> Like <laughs>
1: It's like the most Chicago line. Yeah. Ever. the score is the Bears, zero. Always. Who's
0: winning? The Bears. It's the Bears. But like, what's what's so funny about it too is just like, you know, what's the score is zero zero. Who's winning? Like, just it's it's it, it. As he's sitting there patting, you know, he's trying to play it cool. That's what I love about it. Is like he's sitting there. Or he's standing there blotting, you know, soda off his tie. <laughs> soda
1: off his tie.
0: But every every moment after that where he goes to the house, right, everything is, you know, uh, it just gets progressively worse. And it's it's bumbling idiot stuff, right? It's the stuff that, you know, uh, John Hughes goes on with, like, you know, I mean, that right there is, like, a smaller version of what he decided to do with, like, you know, Home Alone later on. Which he didn't direct, but, like, you know, obviously, like, it's a John Hughes movie. um. But yeah, just the whole Edward Rooney like arc of just this guy. The harder he tries to be cunning and slick and and the authority, the worse it it becomes. And the
1: worse it becomes, and the more embarrassed he gets, the more embarrassing he gets. Yeah,
0: just him hobbling down the street, chasing his car. You know, after he, he tries to get in his car with the keys, and then the car, then the tow truck gets faster, and then it takes his keys with him with it. Um,
1: it's such good. it's like really perfect 80s comedy. yeah, it's just so 80s and he does it so well.
0: yeah and and I mean my favorite which I, I gotta imagine is what a lot of people's favorite is is the the credit scene with the bus. It's like because the thing is it's not they don't have to rush it, right? It's a credit scene so they can just take their time with it and it the pacing of it is nice and slow and chill and it just takes forever and like even just like the the bus driver like it's almost so slow like you know so, sometimes movies they pace things so fast where it's like all right it wouldn't happen that quickly this is almost yeah. the opposite where the bus driver opens the door and is like come on and then he sits there and it's like a good 30 seconds before he turns around and decides to get on the bus and then the walk on the bus where they don't move the bus until he sits down and then has a conversation, oddly enough. But like that entire pacing is super slow, which makes it more awkward because it's all like the facial expressions of all these like eighty kids, just and <laughs> yeah. then you know, uh, and, and he's, then he's in and just then he... utter defeat. Yeah, he's in utter defeat, and and everyone's looking at him, and it just I don't know uh, what's what's the sign on the on the scribbled on the bus? Rooney eats it.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. like the most demoralizing scene too. It's like this man thinks he has all these this authority, and it's like no, you're, you're going to sit on a school bus with a bunch of children. Yeah, who just <laughs> who just shit on you left yeah, and right,
0: covered in mud and shit, and just you know just <laughs> beat up and yeah, it's that's no, great. I love I love, it. and that's the thing too is like, um, yeah, the entire scene. I mean, as a kid too, watching him like try to stand and look in the window, and then his his foot. Falls through the mud and then pulls his foot out and it uh, ate his shoe and just even as a kid I'm like I don't even know how to, like I, I I how do you deal with that like it just it's so beyond recognition of like here he is in like a nice suit and tie or whatever you know just and now he's just covered in mud and gook and just it just it <laughs> utterly destroyed
1: he's completely yeah just defeat beyond defeat and I I think the for me my favorite part is just. Who he wants to present himself as to the world is yeah. just like you know this well put together guy, and at the end it's just like you're a schlep, yeah, you're a schlep, dude. Sorry, <laughs> like, that's who you are. Yeah,
0: he's eating warm bu- gummy gums, uh, gummy gummy bears that were in her pocket. They're nice and warm. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, to wrap it up, too, like so, after all these years, 1986, right? It was 86. I wasn't
1: even born. Were you born? I
0: was. Yeah. Oh I I wasn't I was two years old At that point Um, But uh, What uh, What do you What do you think Does it hold up
1: I mean Listen For sure There's gonna be things That just even now Like the scene With the sex worker Coming to the door And just all that Kind of stuff Where it's just like Oh gosh You cringe You know You're just like Even Rooney The way that you can tell He's 100% Sexually attracted to Sloane And like He makes it known When she's like Standing on the steps She's like Thank you so much For your kindness (laughs) And he's just like, he's like, Oh, you're welcome. Like you can just tell he's yeah. just loving it. He's lapping it up to me. It's just like inside. I'm like, Oh gosh, yeah. I forget that this was okay. Yeah. We could do this then. <laughs> but, um, the storyline holds up. And I think now more than ever, uh, especially with the mental health stuff with Cameron. Yeah. Um, I feel like Gen Z is going to watch that and be like, someone just get this kid some therapy. Yeah. Like, why isn't Cameron seeing a therapist, you know? And it's just such a different world, but all the storyline holds up. I, I felt that way when I graduated high school, like my whole world was about to change. And, and I, I'm sure I had plenty of Cameron moments where I felt misunderstood and all alone. And yeah, even just you take out all that seriousness, the laughs are still there. Yeah. I still watch that parade scene where he is just doing that chore- choreography and singing his heart out. And I'm like, this is just pure good fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's a line it that, still holds up. There's a
0: line during that scene too, that I never, you can never understand it. Cause you, the, the audio mix is terrible. in that just one moment. Um, but I think, um, uh, his girlfriend asks, uh, Cameron, like what, um, what do you think he's going to do? Like, what do you think Cameron's going to do after college or, um, uh, Ferris is going to do after college. And Cameron takes him and He's like, he's going to be a fry cook on Venus. <laughs> and you don't, you don't really hear that line. Cause it's like, it's that's like so weirdly good. buried. I've
1: never heard of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then they, that's when they smile at each other. Like, yeah, like he's just, he's on another planet. Like the way he thinks yeah. is so far beyond. And that was the thing too. There's not a lot of scenes between, um, um, Sloan and, and Cameron, but like in that scene right there too, it's like, they're just two normal people, right? What, what what makes them what elevates even them, right? Because you don't give you don't give um, Sloane enough credit either. The entire movie, too. Like she she goes along. Like obviously it's his girlfriend, but like she's run along with his antics and
1: she goes right along with it. But um, but not
0: not sooner than Cameron does. You know what I mean? Like you like she is right with Cameron as far as like the oh my god we're gonna get caught we're gonna get caught okay whatever we'll, we'll just follow we'll follow Ferris but um. Yeah, he's 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 the kid that as a kid, you're like, I want to be him. And then as an adult, you're just like, I I hope my (laughs) child
1: is never friends with a kid like him. yeah,
0: (laughs) but also I think the world around him like it wasn't elevated to us like, you know, like there's the scenes and the stuff that they go through, but nothing uh, which I'll give credit to where credits do like nothing is elevated to a point where it's like, oh, that's just completely impossible, right? Like there's like you have to suspend belief here and there, but like they're not hopping on spaceships you know like they're they're it's believable and like even the world around them of like inept not even inept right it's just parents caught up in their own like they have stuff to do right his mom is a real estate agent she's got to close deals father's a ad executive in the city like they're just on their own stuff and their kid like, yeah he's you know homesick today like that's it like you know like uh, and just that just that level of like being a kid or being a teenager and just like just before you're an adult, but still, you know, juggling being a kid in like an adult ish body and wanting to have fun, but also, you know, battling like I'm going to have responsibilities like, yeah, it's, it's all of that. I, I think it resonates any age you're at because um I agree and. Uh, and the movie, I watched it with my kid and he had never seen it before. And it was the first time I had seen it in a while and he loved it. Um, I, the, the literally laugh out loud. I I was laugh out loud crying all these years later at the credit scene.
1: (laughs) It's so good. It is so good. And
0: I was just like the fact that I knew, I know this scene I've seen it a million times. I watched this movie over and over as a kid, but I can still watch this scene and like literally be belly laughing like that. You know, I mean, yeah, that holds up, yeah, yeah, it holds up after all these years. But um, I got to find more of those movies because I, I think the other 80s movies that stand out. It's like I've seen those a million times. I've seen Back to the Future, you know, more times than I can count. Um, but Ferris Bueller is one where it's like, you know, I've seen it here and there. I've seen it once in a while. When I was a kid, I used to watch it a lot more. But as an adult, I'm like, yeah, no. like <laughs> until I have to like show it to someone else. I don't know when the next time I'll get to see it, I guess clearly. And I can almost see how they'll connect this spin off to it. I can almost see them like showing that scene and then showing them drive off and then just like that's the start of the movie. It's just you know, as soon as they leave the garage, we're gonna
1: have to see. We're gonna have to see how this goes. We'll come back with a full review once yeah. this is
0: well, John, once this is
1: done. Well, John Hughes isn't around
0: to to see it through, so I don't know. Yeah, I know. I mean, John Hughes used to trust Chris Columbus to do everything that he couldn't do. So is that what he he's did. gonna end up doing?
1: I don't know. I'm I, you know, I've got special love for Chris Columbus via the Harry Potter world. Yeah, that's true. He did the first Harry Potter. He created the world.
0: Yeah. Do you think do you think he'll uh, what is he working on now?
1: I don't know. You know, I mean, do do we know exactly who is going to be directing it? Did they say?
0: No, I mean, it's in early development. So it's just that it was just that that's all that was announced. I guess
1: I'll hold off judgment until I see. Yeah. Well we're going to do another episode too
0: on another m- movie that is have is like sort of getting re-energized after years uh which is
1: I know that one makes me really nervous. You know that. I've already told you. I'm really nervous.
0: We'll we'll have an episode on I focus, Hold it focus. So Near and Dear. Yeah. I- are you focus nervous that focus. they're not going to treat it well? Is that it? Are you nervous that they're they're just going to like
1: I don't know because I mean they're bringing they're bringing all the sanderson sisters back so you couldn't do it without having them all there yeah so i'm very excited for that you know but there are things that i just that are so again so 90s and wholesome that i love about the first hocus pocus the way that they just they're out all night while their parents are getting hammered at a halloween party and everyone's (laughs) cool with it (laughs) it's just yeah we'll see i mean i'm very excited for it but holding you know
0: yeah fair enough i have a a lot to talk about for that movie too so we'll We'll get that. Oh, but by the way, one last, one last like fun fact that I just found out too, um, in just like reading last on my notes. Um, uh, Jennifer Gray, do you know who she was married to up until just recently, actually? Do you, do you know who she was married to? I do not. You're not allowed to check your notes. I see you trying to check your notes. You're not allowed. I'm
1: not. I'm not. Um, I have no idea.
0: Are you, are you, have you watched any like the Marvel movies?
1: I have. Not as many as, um, Kyle would have liked me too, yeah. but no. <laughs>
0: um, the uh, well, um, agent Phil Coulson was her husband, Clark Rex.
1: Up until she,
0: she they recently divorced about. about a year ago.
1: Okay, so.
0: but Jennifer Gray uh, from Dirty Dancing, and more importantly no for this way. conversation, uh, I just pulled
1: for, it up. I, I had to see. Yeah,
0: okay. it just it's just random because like you know like the, the, just that connection of like obviously Clark Gregg's been around for years and years he's done like a lot of stuff it was just that he happened to sort of break through with uh with like to the mainstream if you will through um all like the the these movies the um Marvel movies but yeah that was that was they were married from uh early 2000 2001 2021 so 20 years
1: 20 years they just called it yeah Jennifer
0: probably couldn't take it through. through, Damn, girl. That's the thing. COVID, COVID is like the breaker was the breaker of some marriages. That you know.
1: I mean, I didn't have like normal COVID stay at home life like most people did. I still had to go to work, so I feel like there was probably great for Henry and I. That's probably why we got engaged that year. (laughs) You
0: guys did the opposite. Most people were calling off. Yeah, we did the opposite. Yeah,
1: we did the opposite this is good I had fun this was awesome I had a great time yay cool we'll see
0: see you next time bye everyone
1: bye